0: What's up Raptors fans? Welcome to the Raptors Review podcast. I'm your host Gavin here with my friends Ben and Aaron. And you know what? We this is our first episode. We really want to bring you the best, most passionate, most ludicrous Raptors analysis and takes that we can. We're going to be bringing down the stats. We're going to be having in-depth conversations, but we're also going to be having a lot of fun and hopefully having a few laughs too. Let me get these guys to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with you, Aaron. What do you got to
1: say for yourself? I'm excited to do this podcast. Uh, Ben Gavin and I, we spend a lot of time talking about basketball, so it's going to be great to share this with everyone. Awesome. And uh, what about you, Ben?
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to giving my spiciest takes on the Raptors, and it should be a fun time.
0: I think so. You know, we talk a lot about the Raptors, I'm just excited that uh, the people out there are gonna finally get to hear what we've been arguing about for months and months and months. And you know what, there's a lot of good points. So let's just get right into it.
1: So I want to go over a bit of the statistical profile of the Raptors, see how they rank defensively and offensively compared with the rest of the league, and maybe dive into a bit why they're struggling. So offensively, there's four factor metrics, and the Raptors are a little bit below average in all of them. That's effective field goal percentage and free throw rate and stuff like that. And then on defense, they rate as an above average team. So if we look at why they're losing a lot of games, it's because they get hammered on the boards. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. They foul the shit out of everyone. So that's just free, free throws for the other team. And then on offense, they can't get anything near the rim. They are the worst two-point shooting team in the league, or just about there. So that's kind of why the Raptors have been kind of shitty this year so far. And if you guys want to hear a stat that's really terrifying, the Raptors are number one in the league in – in three-point attempts, and number eight in three-point percentage. This is a team that historically has not been a great three-point shooting team in terms of percentage, and they might be overachieving this year. Bad things could be ahead for this team. What do you think, Ben?
2: Yeah, I'm very concerned about this Raptors season. Their offense, when they're not hitting threes, feels like it's just a disaster. We don't get any clean looks around the rim, and we don't take any mid-range shots, really, besides Siakam, and he needs to stop taking mid-range shots. So it feels like on offense, we're we're really bad, and we we don't have an elite scorer to go to when the offense isn't working and we're not getting those threes. I do think our defense is still really solid, except for the free throws. I'm not sure why the fouling has gone up so much this year. It might have something to do with losing our two centers from last year, and we don't have that same cohesion that we did in previous years. But this team's in trouble. I, I'm kind of on the fence about whether they need to blow it up or not
0: pretty hot for the first like we got a while before the trade deadline here i'd want to see them try this out a little bit longer i know a lot of the players in their post-game interviews been talking about how you know we're in every game they're not getting blown out in most games and they're there right at the end they're just dropping a lot of games now what worries me though is that they're saying that but their net rating their point differentials they're not of a contender they're not of a top team they're pretty much like right in the middle of the road when it comes to offensive rating, right in the middle of the road when it comes to defensive rating. And of course that makes you right in the middle of the road when it comes to overall net rating. And like you said, at the start there, Aaron, they've been shooting the ball well from three. So we can't really chalk up this seven and 12 record to bad three point shooting luck. And if that regresses to the mean and they go back to where they've usually been, things could be getting pretty dark, pretty quick. They got to get some stuff
1: at the rim. Yeah, agreed. And to me, the most disappointing player this season and one of the big failures around the rim has been Pascal Siakam. This is a guy that last year coming off a championship win started on fire. He, He got all NBA last year, second team all NBA because he had a couple super hot months to start the year. But then after that, he kind of looked a little bit listless. He was missing lots of bunnies around the rim, his shooting started to go. And then we all know what happened in the bubble, where he was an absolute disaster in the playoffs. Probably cost the Raptors a conference finals appearance, maybe even a finals appearance because of how poorly he played against the Celtics. You know, this is this is a guy that I think a lot of Raptors fans at the beginning of of last year would have would have pinned a franchise's hopes on. And then he's been very disappointing since that and and this season according to 538 their overall raptor that's their sort of their metric for how how good a player is depending on both the the player tracking stats and the box score he's a negative 5.2 that's even worse than aaron baines who's a negative 4.9 yeah so the raptors big men this season have been a bit of a disaster and i don't think we expected that from siakam this year
2: to me, Siakam's regression is really what makes me so pessimistic about the future of this franchise. He was the star talent that we were building around. Lowry is getting older. He's not going to be able to carry the franchise anymore. And Siakam was the guy that was waiting in the wings and going to carry that load. And now I'm, I'm just looking around and like, what player is going to take up this bird and who's going to be our leading scorer? And... There's no good answers right now. Fred Van Vliet's just too small to d- be able to do that on a nightly basis. OG Ananobi is an amazing player on defense. Offense, he's so-so. He's he's improving, but I don't think he's ever going to be a star player on offense. I just don't see the path to us contending with this current team. And now that Giannis is no, no longer going to be coming to the Toronto next year, it's like, where, where do we go from here? I, I don't know.
0: I think the Raptors are a piece away. And when we look at the half court offense, the way it's working, they're just looking for anyone to generate some kind of mismatch, some kind of advantage play where that player can get downhill and make a good pass or get a, to the rim. And I think that a lot of Siakam's struggles right now are coming from the fact that he's being placed in that role. And he's having to create a lot of isolation in the half court. And it's just not what he's good at. It's not what got him to the place he was when he was playing with Kawhi. He was working off of someone that created half-court offense. And if the Raptors don't have a player like that on their team, I think we're going to see some pretty tough offensive games from the season on out. We need an injection of half court offensive making talent. I don't know, someone that can beat people off the dribble or, you know, make a play in pick and roll because right now it's just looking terrible. And Siakam, I think, is looking a lot worse than he actually is because he's being asked to do something
1: he's not good at. I think Siakam is a better player than what he's shown so far. The shooting numbers have been absolutely horrific for him this year. And Mm -hmm. sort of two or three years ago, before he entered the star status, he shot better than this. So I don't think the poor shooting is real. I think there's a bit of regression there, a bit of positive regression there for Siakam. But like I said earlier about the three-point shooting, this team could regress there and just average out and continue to be a somewhat lousy NBA team.
0: There are some bright spots on the roster though.
1: Yeah, there are. And the bright spots are really the Raptors guards. Uh, Lowry has been pretty great this season. I would say he doesn't look like he's aging or declining at all. He's still, he's still attacking the rim pretty hard. He's still drawing fouls at a pretty good rate and his defense has been excellent as usual. And and Fred VanVleet hasn't lost a step at all from last year. He's, sort of entering his his prime contract years. Congrats to him for signing that that big deal in the offseason. But he's been excellent. And OG has been great, too. It's really been the big man.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kyle Lowry didn't look so good in that game against the Sacramento Kings getting thrown out like that costing us a bunch of tees but overall i have been impressed with his play especially as he's getting older it doesn't seem like he's slipping and he's doing a lot of the stuff that makes us raptors fans love him so much i agree with you fred van Vliet, he's kept it consistent possibly gotten a little better than he was playing last year definitely on the defensive end i see him digging in a lot more often and og og this guy i think he's the raptors mvp best player on the team and they struggle so much when he's not on the squad just shuts people down and splashes threes. And I, I just hear for it. I love OG this season. Kevin, do you do you
1: know what OG shooting from three this year?
0: I'm going to guess like high thirties, 37,
1: 38, 43%.
0: Yeah. The guy that, is, is shooting the lights out right now. That makes sense. And the guards are good. Even in the backup roles. I like some of the guys we've brought in, but our bigs are so bad.
1: And part of the issue there and I might get killed for this, maybe justifiably so, but part of the issue there is Chris Boucher. The guy has been shooting Absolutely. amazingly from three, but the rest of his game hasn't really come along. Ben, do you want to talk a bit more about, about that?
2: Yeah, Chris Boucher started off this season super hot, And everyone jumped on the bandwagon that he's the the Raptors' best center and he's going to save our center position and he's going to be most improved player, six man of the year, yada, yada, yada. Everyone's giving him all the awards 10 games into the season. But I think the reality is he's shot shot really well and it's unsustainable. Last season he shot 32% from three. This season so far he's shooting 45% from three. That's not going to keep going and on defense he get he's good at blocking shots but he's so skinny around the rim he doesn't get rebounds and he can get bullied in the post he he doesn't really help our defense very much despite getting some flashy block shots every now and then i think he's really overrated he's all flash and no substance like he's an okay backup center but he's not he's not saving our franchise and i think i think people are really overrating his impact on the team
0: there's no doubt he's being overrated but He is a quality player off the bench for a backup big. I think he's doing fine. And for what the Raptors need right now, I think that his value is being inflated because he is shooting well from three and he does. He is a bit of a lob threat in some situations and the Raptors need any kind of offense they can get, especially from their big positions. And he's our most effective scorer at the big position. And I'm including Pascal Siakam in that. Um, and that's why we need <laughs> to play oh, him. <laughs> like, I, can, like I can't Cole, agree with
2: that. No. He
0: is. He the, is the most the effective.
2: is still better than Boucher. Yeah. But we do. I this does play into Boucher's favor where we do have a void of people that want to take shots. And so... Boucher is allowed to take as many shots as he wants. And he's not shy about shooting. And that has worked his benefit so far this season. And he's been shooting really well. I just don't believe it's sustain- sustainable. His shot form is so sus to me. I like I refuse to believe he's going to shoot over 40% from three this season. It, okay. To me, it just doesn't seem real.
0: I get what you guys are saying. And I'm not going to backpedal that. I just think that we're seeing him get these inflated stats because we're searching for offense and he yeah, can produce he's got the green some light. level of offense. You know what I mean? And he's shooting really well this season and he's an effective scorer this season. So the Raptors are going to him a lot, but on a regular team where there's like bigs that can actually produce some semblance of offense regularly, Chris Boucher is not going to have this kind of role. His value is being quite inflated by the team that's around him right
1: now. That's the point I'm trying to make. Right. Okay. I agree, I agree. with that. And, and just to back that up, the, the numbers on Boucher, he's, he's only averaging 22 minutes a game. And this is for a guy that you know has been shooting the lights out and has been almost leading the league in blocks per game, despite only playing 22 minutes. And there's a good reason why he only plays 22 minutes. It's because there's a lot of guys that he just can't match up with. He's a big liability in a lot of situations, and he's not the answer. If anything, he might even be part of the problem. One thing I want to talk about the Raptors roster is Raptors bench. A couple of years ago, we had the famous bench mob that would come out and just kill teams. Like it was just more like the, having the starters hold serve with the other team. We just knew the bench was going to come out there and slaughter the other team's bench. This year doesn't really feel like that. Why do you think that is Ben?
2: I think we've had a lot of players fail so far this season. I think going into the season, Nick Nurse expected big things out of Matt Thomas He hasn't produced so far. He's barely been able to get on the floor in the last few games. Terrence Davis was another guy that was awesome last season as a rookie. And so far this season hasn't been able to play any defense. doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there. It looks like he's taken a step back from last year. Then Norman Powell's been kind of hit or miss when he's been in the starting lineup. He's looked great. And then when he's been coming off the bench, he's looked pretty so-so. And so we've been turning to guys like Stanley Johnson and Yuta Watanabe that have barely played in the league in the last few years. They've not been in regular rotations, and they've been overperforming for us, I think. But we're really we're really searching for a reliable bench unit at this point.
0: I got a theory, okay? And when you think back to those bench mob seasons where we knew the bench was just going to kill the other team's bench, that core of that bench was Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, they all coalesced around that G League championship. All these players played together basically as the starters on that G League team that went and won the G League championship. And we don't have that now. Like our bench is players that are picked up off the scrap heap and have kind of come over from Europe in some cases or been uh, rebuilding projects with guys like Stanley Johnson or even Watanabe. And I like those players. They're solid, but they just haven't played together that much. And our rotations are all over the place. We don't have a strong bench identity right now. And that was what was the strength of those Dwayne Casey teams with the bench mob was that, you know, Fred Van Lee, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, Jakob Pertl. These guys had an identity as the bench mob and they played together through a whole playoff run before. It's all odds and ends right now. And I think that's a big part of the reason why our bench is not as good as it's been individually we have some bright spots on the bench like ben mentioned but all it's just not there so we're having to mix starters in with them a lot more than we did in the past and it's just making for a much messier team and it's something we got to get used to
1: agreed the, the bench has been a real a real sore spot for the raptors this season
0: all right let's get a little bit of a review of the week that was here raptors played four games Game one on Sunday versus the Pacers. The Raptors won 107 to 102. On Monday, the Raptors played the Pacers again in a little back to back series. The Raptors lost that one 129 to 114. Then we had the game against the Bucks. A very exciting match, I got to say. Raptors lost that one 115 to 108. Last game of the week, and probably the worst one, Friday, OG Ananobi didn't play. But the Raptors played the Kings and they lost 126 to 124. This gives the Raptors this week a record of one and three. Guys, I'm just wondering, you know, what was your initial takeaway from the games this week? Were any of them particularly hard to watch? What was your favorite one?
1: So the favorite one was absolutely the Sunday game against the Pacers. The Raptors were without Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam for that game. OG had one of his best games as a pro the guy was was so disruptive on defense and our offense he was he was dribbling he was shooting he was doing everything for the raptors stanley johnson probably had his best game as a pro or at least in the raptors uniform in that game and they really clutched out a, a tough win against a, a pretty solid pacers team i haven't watched the pacers much this year but but they're well coached they've, they've got a decent amount of talent like i fully expect them to be uh fighting in the playoffs like that's a solid team So getting that win, I think that was the best win of the Raptors' season so far. Like the way that they competed and the amount of shots that they were making, it was very impressive.
0: Um, No doubt. Watching that game, I started thinking, okay, OG Ananobi's our best player. That's just the way it is right now. But we also had a lot of good contributions from certain players on the bench during that game. Notably, uh, DeAndre Bembry played 21 minutes, as well as Utah Watanabe. Each of them got 21 minutes, which is a bit out of character for the Raptors team up to that point. And honestly, they both look decent in those minutes, particularly Wantanabe on defense. Really exciting to see him kind of make some switches and defend different positions. And also, uh, you know, hit a three.
2: They add a lot to our defense. But the offensive struggles are going to continue when we have lineups out there with those guys because they they don't do a lot for us in offense other than hitting the occasional open three. There's not a lot of creation. And it really comes down to our star players. Like Fred has to carry the offense with those guys. And it's not a consistent recipe for success.
0: The worst game of the week, though, the one that I couldn't watch... Um, I had to turn it off, but then I turned it right back on, was uh, Sacramento Kings versus Toronto Raptors. It was just so painful. It seemed like the Raptors never really got started. To be honest, the refs really didn't help. And what seemed to be a decent game for Siakam turned into a terrible game for the team, and they were behind
1: the whole time. What did you guys think of that game? I thought the Raptors' offense looked really anemic, and, and their defense was wasn't fully engaged like it needed to be. The, the Kings... They're, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league and one of the worst defensive teams I've seen in a while, uh, largely due to Marvin Bagley. But that's a team that the Raptors need to be beating. The Raptors pride themselves on consistent effort and beating teams that they're better than. They're better than the Kings. And, and dropping games like that really hurts, especially when you're a few games below 500 like they were at the point there. Yeah,
0: Especially a game yeah. where Kyle Lowry plays, Fred Viet plays, Pascal Siakam plays. I mean, all your key guys. The only person who wasn't was O.J. and and it just didn't seem to matter. The offense just ground to a halt, and they couldn't get it started. Kyle Lowry ends up getting ejected;
1: just a bad look. And what did you think uh, Kyle Lowry said to get, to get <laughs> ejected there?
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate on that. Uh, I know there there had been some issues with that ref the whole game. There had been some questionable calls. But I, I hope he didn't say anything too bad. But I I could tell he was frustrated all game, and I was I was not surprised he got ejected. I think it's probably inevitable. That um, weird going one, into that game.
0: Oh, sorry. I just want to say what, that weird oh, one said? though, where um, you know, there's foul shots and he's out by the three point line and they call the foot fault on him. Like I have never seen that called in an NBA game. And if you watch an NBA game, they're stepping on it. They do whatever they want out there. It just seems so nitpicky to me. And I can understand why Kyle was so upset by that because it's just not a call that gets made in the NBA.
1: The only guy that I've seen have that happen is, is when Chris Paul goes to the referee and says, look at that guy's foot. It's on the line. That's the only time I've seen that call before in the league.
2: Yeah, it's really frustrating that they just don't call that consistently. If it's in the rules, you I think you have to enforce it, but if you're not gonna enforce it, then like then you can never really enforce it. And it just feels so arbitrary when you randomly once a season call it and then all the fans are also wondering about it. It's like what's going on here? It just it makes the league look bad. I, I wanna talk a bit about the Bucks, the Bucks loss. I thought the Raptors actually looked good in that game. And like going into the Sacramento games, I was feeling really high on this week, even though we were one and two up until that point. I thought they played the Bucks really well. And that was really encouraging for me. The only discouraging part of that game was Siakam really struggled on offense, but it's a poor matchup for him. The Bucks have lots of defenders that can deal with Siakam, and it looked like he didn't really know how to get past anyone which is understandable when Giannis is the person that's guarding you. But I thought the Raptors really competed hard in that game. And then coming back to Sacramento, they just did not have the same intensity. I think if they played like they played against the Bucks, they would have easily beaten Sacramento. And the Raptors can't take nights off this season. They're not good enough to.
0: All right. To transition us from those games into topics we kind of have put aside here to discuss, I think it's pretty smooth here because how many of these games do you guys think might have been one if og and Obi had played in them he played in one of the games and we won it the other three he wasn't a part of do you how many of those games do you think we would have won because in my opinion we might have gone four for four because he's that good and he affects our win loss column that much
1: and i think he's that good but I I, I have a hard time going with four for four. I think you probably win that Kings game, but you probably still lose to the Bucs and and the Pacers are are a good team. They kind of trounced the Raptors on Monday. That game wasn't that close. So I I think it'd be more like a two and two record instead of a one and three record.
0: No way. Honestly, like Giannis could have done nothing against them. He would have totally locked them up. I'm joking, but I think it could have (laughs) easily been a seven points difference having OG guarding Giannis instead of Pascal Siakam, because that just
1: didn't look fair. It's certainly possible. It's just that, you know, OG is having his best season yet, but he's still pretty limited in offense. And he's not super helpful on that end, aside from his hot shooting. So I don't know how much he would have helped.
2: I think I'm with you, Gavin. I need to grasp onto any straws of hope that I can for this season. And I think... OG's OG is a good one and yeah maybe we have, could have gone 4-0 and our season wouldn't be over like I think it is right now um Gosh. so maybe just OG is the cure for all our ails and with him we won't lose anymore I certainly hope it's the case
0: let's hope let's hope so I'm guessing just by you know Aaron's straight up denial and Ben's somewhat cynical answer that you guys do not think that OG and Obi is the Raptors most valuable player to this point
1: I do not. To me, it's still got to be Kyle Lowry. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's their best offensive player. And, that, and that's really where the Raptors struggle the most, is not generating any kind of offense. And he, he's the best guy on the team for that. He's also a great defender. He's also their leader. I think this team would be in, in complete shambles without Kyle. Ben, what do you think?
2: I'm in total agreement. Kyle Lowry has been our best player for every year, except the Kawhi year, going back to like 2014 or something like that he deserves a statue and this franchise is nothing without him at this point. And I, and I think that's very true for this season. He's the heart and soul of the team. So I, OG's not there yet for me. If he starts doing more on offense, he, he could get there, but not quite yet.
0: Hmm. Speaking of Lowry, him and Van Vliet were recently named to the 60 player team USA Olympic pool. What do you guys think? You think they have a chance to make it?
1: I think that Kyle Lowry might make it. He he's well respected around the league uh, around the league as like a veteran leader as as a, like a lot of players look up to him for his like, composure and also just the way he plays basketball. He plays like super intelligently, he plays super hard all the time. And I don't think he would be a starter or even get many minutes for that team, but I think he could crack the roster if he really wanted to. But I don't I don't know how committed he'd be to play over the summer just to go to the Olympics.
0: Let's remember that Derek White was on the World Championship team last year.
2: Yeah, and... that was a
1: Popovich uh, move <laughs> there and really lost a lot of respect by, by doing that, I think.
2: I think Lowry and Van Vliet, I don't think either of them are going to make end up making the team. I think they could get close and be late cuts. There's just so many good players vying for making the U.S. team and Last I heard, every player was interested in playing, and that might change because of the scheduling issues. Who knows when the Olympics are actually going to happen? But unless there's a bunch of players bowing out, I don't see either of them making it. Lowry's going to be 35, maybe 36 by that point. He's old. I-, I just see them going with someone younger that they want to like incorporate into the U.S. system going forwards for future years. And so I, I have a tough time seeing Lowry making it, and I don't think Van Vliet's quite good enough. But so- it's nice that they're getting to... De- invites at least yeah
1: i kind i think you're probably going to end up being right but i think larry has a legit shot because the team has always selected a few end of the roster guys that just embrace being role players and i think they look at Lowry as being like a guy that could embrace being a role player so like i think he has he has an outside shot of making it What Honestly, do Yeah, i of?
0: think you guys are wrong i think van vliet has a better shot of making this team first of all a lot of the players selected for this Olympic pool might not be available because they might still be in the playoffs at that point. I know that the NBA has said they're not going to, you know, take a pause so players can play in the Olympics and there's a high likelihood there's going to be a conflict there. So I think, you know, we might be reaching a little further down that 60 names than uh, a lot of people expect. And I think that Van Vliet's the kind of guy that coaches want to have on their team you know he's a calm presence a little bit of leadership and you can sick him on another team's star point guard to just really reduce uh, their points and you know make their life a lot harder van Vleet, i feel like is a great role player to put there maybe a defensive specialist that's going to give you some three-point shooting off the bench he's used to that bench mob role and he's young. He's someone that they could incorporate. He's not super young, but he's a good age to be on Team USA and might be able to play in the next
1: Olympics as well. I really hope you're right. And, and one thing that I think the coaches could be looking for is defense. When you go across the NBA, is there a better defensive backcourt than Van and Lowry? I, I really doubt it. So, so I think you have to take that into consideration when you're building a roster especially when you have so much talent at the at the wing and center positions on this roster, you got, you got to give Van Lee and Lowry a look.
2: I'm sure. going to go the other way and say, I really hope you're wrong because under that scenario, the Raptors wouldn't be going deep in the playoffs and I'm not going to give up all hope quite yet. I think that's the sale
0: One side is <laughs> saying we should blow it up. And the next time you're saying we're going to make a deep run in the yeah. playoffs. But if Van and Lowry
2: are about. on our team still, I hope we're trying to make the playoffs. I, it's just like, if we're blowing it up, then they're going to be gone anyways. And so then they're not Raptors anymore. So who cares? But.
0: Let's move on to something that's a little more joyful for you. I know that you're a big fan of this player and you've been arguing with us for the past few weeks that he should be getting more minutes. And that is one Stanley Johnson. Just tell us what you think about the man and tell us what you think Nick Nurse should be doing with him.
2: All right. So my pitch to Nick Nurse would be to slot Stanley Johnson in as our starting center, get rid of Aaron Baines, get rid of Chris Boucher. Boucher can still be a backup. I'm sick of Aaron Baines he's even he's looked better in the last week but he's he still doesn't really do anything for me he hits a catch and shoot three but it's just like I, I don't care he's not he's not fun to watch give me stanley johnson give me small ball he can just bruise people in the post with his lowry-esque booty and they on defense they'll be so quick they'll be stealing everything it'll at least make the raptors fun so is, he should be getting all the minutes
1: is getting a rebounded by 20 boards a game fun then
2: when you're just stealing those rebounds from the people that are grabbing them. Absolutely. I
1: don't want to watch Stanley Johnson play basketball on offense. He's an absolute train wreck. And on defense, he's just a strong, a strong guy that gets in front of people, but he's not that much fun to watch. I'm all for Stanley Johnson, not being a part of this team going forward.
0: Ben, you're not going to respond
2: to that. I I don't know if I can even, that's just, that's a low blow. Stanley Johnson not being a part of this team anymore. Him and OG, he's OG number two. Their defense together is so fun to watch. They're blocking shots, they're grabbing steals, they're getting out and running. I, I love watching Stanley Johnson play. He's playing with joy this year. Unlike Siakam, he's having fun out there and I love watching him play. I I hard disagree with that.
0: I'm pretty excited about some of the lineups that could come if Stanley Johnson becomes, you know, a really serviceable three and D player, maybe not a starter quality, but just someone that, you know, you can bring off the bench and you know, he's going to shut down the person you put him on individually. And that could open a lot of doors for the lineups that Nick Nurse runs. Like I'm thinking like a Siakam OG Stanley, Terrence Davis, Kyle Lowry lineup or something like that, that would just be able to switch anything, try posting up any Mm -hmm. of those guys. I think TD has to come a little ways from a mental perspective and making the right play on defense, but those are five strong bodies that you can put them in the post. You can put them on the perimeter. It could be pretty exciting to watch them on defense, but defense as much as it's been mediocre so far this year, I don't think it's going to be this team's problem in the long run. I'm much more worried about the offensive end and rebounding and all these things. It also comes into effect. I like that lineup. I think it's going to be interesting in some cases, but we really need to find
1: something at center that isn't
0: Stanley Johnson.
1: And isn't (laughs) guys. I have the answer and it's not OG number two. It's OG number one. That's gotta be the future lineup with OG Pascal, Norm, Fred, and Kyle. That's the Raptors best lineup. And they got to find a way to play that. And that was a big failing of Nick Nurse last year is when they got into the playoffs against the Celtics, they realized that that was their best lineup and they hadn't played together at all during the regular season. And it showed in some of those games. So I I hope when when they're all healthy, that we get to see more of that lineup.
0: Could you imagine Stanley Johnson sliding in for Norman or Fred Van Vliet in that lineup just because he adds a lot more size? I mean, you have a lot of people that can create offense, hopefully on that. So... I don't know how much Norman Powell's adding on offense compared to what Stanley Johnson would. And he might be better on defense than Norman Powell. I'd say he probably I, is. Oh, yeah, I think he definitely he's definitely is. better
1: than Norman Powell on defense, but that lineup is not good offensively. So especially if you're going as other teams starting lineups, that lineup struggles on offense. So I think they absolutely need Norm out there as another guy that can shoot and dribble.
2: I feel like you're giving up too, almost too much size with that lineup and swapping out. I like, I like Gavin's suggestion of swapping out Norm for Stanley Johnson, that lineup. He has a lot more size and toughness on defense. He'll help on the boards. He's, he's not a bad shot blocker. I think he's just gonna help you a lot more in defense and you can still get out and run with that lineup. I think the problem right now is the Raptors last season were one of the best fast break teams in the league this year. Their pace has been so much slower. And I think part of that is when you're playing guys like Aaron Baines, it takes them 15 seconds to get up the court and they're not fast-breaking nearly as much as they should be. I, I don't know that Stanley Johnson's going to fix all these problems. I just think it'll be funner to watch small ball and just getting up and down the floor rather than watching our half-court offense get bogged down every game.
1: I agree, and I think one of the issues there, where we're talking about the Raptors being, like last year, they are one of the best teams in transition of all time. And then this year, they're, they're just so-so, and I think a big problem is that when the Celtics played the Raptors, they completely clamped down on them in transition. And did that just gave every other team a recipe for how to stop the Raptors. If you stop them in transition, their offense is going to suffer. And and I think the teams are just doing their scouting work on the Raptors this season. and It's hurting them.
0: No doubt. All right. Should we transition to their preview?
2: Let's do it. All right, guys. So we're going to take a look at what's coming up for the Raptors next week. So. We've got two games against Orlando. First one's on Sunday, which is where we're recording the podcast right now. Next game is on Tuesday against Orlando. And then Friday versus Brooklyn. That's going to be a spicy matchup. And then Saturday against Atlanta. So, guys, I want to hear from you. What's your can't-miss game of the week?
1: So my can't-miss game of the week is probably going to be a miss from you guys. I'm going for the Atlanta game. I think that those teams are fairly evenly matched. Atlanta has a potent, powerful offense, and the Raptors have a pretty good defense. So I'm interested to see how, how that looks, that end of the floor. And also, like, the, the Hawks suck on defense. Maybe the Raptors can get it going a bit. I think that's going to be a fun up-and-down game. A lot of running, a lot of dunking. I, I, hope, I hope that one's a good one.
0: Yeah, I'm, I was going to pick the Atlanta game as well, purely because I just want to see Fred VanVleet go up against Trey Young. That's just such an exciting matchup for me watching the defense dig in. And I would love to just watch Fred Van Vliet terrorize this guy for 40 minutes of the game. And I think that's what we're gonna get. And if you sick Fred Van Vliet on Trey Young and you put uh, Oj and Obi on some mix of John Collins and Cam Reddish, I don't really know where the Hawks go. I'm expecting a big Raptors win, but I'm expecting a Raptors
1: win in all four games. But we'll wait for my wait, prediction. Wait, wait, wait. You're I'm expecting right. the Raptors to be the Nets. I wasn't going to pick that game because if the the Nets come engaged, they're going to blow the Raptors out.
0: Yeah, sometimes I like to be optimistic. Let's wait till we get my predicted record. I'll make my official prediction then.
2: Yeah, my canvas game was going to be this doubleheader against Orlando. I love watching Toronto-Orlando. I'm just kidding. I can't do this with a straight face. It's it's against (laughs) Brooklyn, obviously. I could not care less about Toronto versus Orlando. They've played so many times. They've had so many playoff matchups that have been snooze fests. Toronto, Brooklyn is going to be spicy. I I would love to see Toronto's defense going against Brooklyn's offense, seeing how well we can hold up. We could potentially go small ball there because they don't have a real center threat. So that could be a fun game. I hope the Raptors can keep that close. We'll see how they look in that game, but it'll be fun regardless watching all those stars play. All right. Next. I want to know what's your lock it in win of the week.
1: My lock it in win of the week is the Tuesday against Orlando game. I, I just can't see the magic putting up any kind of fight with the amount of injuries that they have right now. That that roster is is devastated. their the record since uh, Markel Fultz went down with an ACL tear has been pretty abysmal. That that game shouldn't really be competitive. Lock it
0: in win, eh? Yeah, yeah. Lock if it, I had it in to lock one of these wins in. If I had to lock one of these wins in, Toronto versus Orlando on the Sunday just because that's the one Aaron didn't pick, but for all the same reasons that he picked the
2: Tuesday. <laughs> I think uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert. We're recording this during that game, and I think the Raptors are up pretty big right now, so that's, it seems like a pretty safe... That's, uh, that's safe why I bet. didn't pick it, because I thought yeah.
1: it was a little unfair when they are up like 20 in the third pretty quarter. Safe, okay. bet. Cheating, Gavin? Cheating? <laughs> I haven't looked at the score. <laughs> I haven't looked at the score.
2: I think our Toronto matches up very well versus Orlando, so I think locking in... The Toronto-Orlando Tuesday game seems pretty safe. I'm going to do that as well. I think these two games against Orlando are great opportunities for the Raptors to get wins because the next two games are going to be pretty tough. So that segues us into what are your your predicted records for this week? Aaron, you go first.
1: So my predicted record for the Raptors this week is going to be, unfortunately, two and two. I think they're going to pick up the wins Mm -hmm. against Orlando. And then I think... Brooklyn is just way too talented for the Raptors. If, if they come out wanting to win that game, it, it's, it's really their game to lose. And then Atlanta versus Toronto on Sunday, I, I just think the Hawks have, have maybe more to play for this season in that like a lot of their guys, the coaching staff, the front office, like they're fighting for jobs. When you look at a team like the Raptors where they don't have a ton of firepower, I think their defense is going to look okay against the Raptors. So uh, I think the Hawks should probably take that game. I think they have more talent on the roster.
0: Yikes. You know, it's a tough one. I'm probably going to go two and two as well. I don't necessarily think that this is really dark. I don't necessarily (laughs) just assume we're going to beat Orlando twice. I think that we're favored to, but I also think we're favored to take this uh, Atlanta game, but I'm sure between either the Tuesday Orlando game or the Saturday Atlanta game, we'll drop one of those. So the Raptors will end up being two and two because I think the Brooklyn Nets should win. I mean, all these games are gettable, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Two and two seems
1: like the safe bet for me this week. I think our best hope for winning the Friday game is if there's a COVID outbreak at the strip clubs in Brooklyn.
2: Oh my God. Wow. Wow. You guys. All right. I'm going to be a ray of sunshine here and I'm going to say the Raptors are riding the ship. This is, I'm projecting this out of the universe. They're writing the ship this week. They're going to go four and I think they actually Brooklyn and Atlanta are both very beatable. Their defenses are not good. And the Raptors hopefully admit that might ease some of their struggles on offense um, and they can play defense against any team in the league So I think they can make it tough on Brooklyn and Atlanta and then get enough offense to squeak out those games. And then I think we're not going to have any issues with Orlando. It's going to give us a confidence boost going into those two games on the weekends, and the Raptors are going to turn it around and go 4-0 this week. That's my hot take.
0: This is how it works against Brooklyn. You know, you get Fred Van Vliet against Kyrie, you get Stanley Johnson on Harden, and then OG's left with KD.
2: They can't do anything. Defensive defense is finished that should be the lock it in win i think actually i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it from orlando to brooklyn yeah. lock it in oh gosh that's a dub
1: just so you know ben we're recording these these predictions and tracking them over the course of the season just
2: my hot so take know. is that i'm gonna be the worst performing one at these predictions <laughs> that's not a hot take
0: <laughs> and with that i think it's best we um bring this episode to a close just so that we save ben the embarrassment of making any more predictions But don't worry, we'll hold him accountable for all the predictions he did make. If you want to hold us accountable for anything we said on the podcast or you want to hear us say some other wild stuff, send us an email to RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com. That's RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, wherever you're listening, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week. Bye for now.